and we are live, ready to go. This is Pack Center. How we doing, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, Austin Paschke. Joined, like always, is my co-host, Tyler Seth. How we doing today, Tyler? Feeling, feeling good? good? Feeling amped up. I'm feeling, ready to do this. Feeling ready to rock and roll. Oh, and yeah. today is a special episode as well. We preview some women's basketball, which is their USC game, which is tonight. And then we preview as well their UTRGV game, the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley game that's taking place tomorrow. Also taking place tomorrow is the huge St. Mary's game for men's basketball. Not only that, but we also recap their game that happened on Wednesday against Texas Southern, which we won. So stick around. It's going to be a great episode, guys, and uh, we'll be right back. And we're back, ready to rock and roll. Like we said, it's a good time to be recording here on campus. There's literally no one here after finals, but we are in the studio giving you guys updates on all things Wolfpack sports. What do you say we start off with some women's basketball? Let's run it. Get right to it. Because they did not play this past week. We obviously recapped that Utah game, but we have a huge game coming up. Yeah. And that is the Woman of Troy Classic that takes place at USC, both Friday and Saturday, today and tomorrow. USC, today, 6 p.m., huge game. UTRGV. We had a little competition back at the house to see what the heck that even meant but, uh, before looking it up, and Tyler got it spot on. Yeah. Right away. University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. Never heard of them before. The Grande Valley part was the one I was having trouble with, but I just what else stands for GV and like right. I feel like it's like a big valley, you know, Grande Valley. The, you're spot on. Your geography is right there. Thank you. Very Thank very you. smart. But yeah, U T R G. That is tomorrow, but tonight is the big one, the granddaddy of them all. The, oh, U, the oh. USC game. We are traveling to USC to take on a pretty good Pac-12 team. We know how the Pac-12 conference has been so far for women's basketball. Uh, brutal. Yeah. And uh, Stanford, number one. Oregon, they still rank number three, I think. Three. Yeah, yeah. they're three right now. Um, who else? I mean, they, they're just going off. I think Washington State is right up there. I think, who else? Oregon, Oregon State? Oregon, Oregon State? State. Yes. They're like top five, top ten. Oregon... But they're a really good Pac-12 conference. Very, very stout for women's basketball. And uh, we already played Utah, who was a was obviously we recapped it very close game. I thought we were gonna we had definitely had a shot. But this USC team was predicted to finish eighth in the Pac-12 polls uh, before the season started. Utah was seventh, so I guess a little bit less talented than that Utah team, but still very good. I mean, they're six and three. In a very good Pac-12 conference, some good wins that they have competed in so far. Alabama, it's a great win. Virginia, UC Riverside, who's always pretty good at women's basketball. And then the Little Brothers down south. They only lost to number six in the country, Texas A&M, by 10 in late November. So that, I mean, not a bad loss whatsoever. Um, like we said, finished picked to finish eighth. Utah was picked to finish seventh in that preseason Pac-12 poll. Some national ranks for the Lady Trojans, 44th in the nation and fewest turnovers, 169th in the rebounding margin, 299th in three-point percentage. So they take care of the ball very well, but they do not shoot the ball very well. Playing through their post, I am imagining, 
Uh, most of their scoring comes from down low with number 35, Alyssa Peely. Peely? Yeah, Alyssa yeah, Peely. Peely. Boom. First try. Banged it. Being the team's leading scorer and rebounder with 11.3 points a game and 7.3 rebounds a game. Followed in close second in the team is India Rogers with 11.2 points a game. It's a little bit of a coming home action for Marguerite Effa, who played a couple seasons there before graduating and then coming here to play for us as well. But I think the biggest headline of this game is our post play. How our posts are gonna, our post players are gonna show up in this game. I mean, that's a lot of a lot to be asking from Amani Lacey. But I think Marguerite Effa, her coming back to USC, it's gonna have a big game from her. And uh, I think they're gonna have their hands full. That is for sure. They are going to have to compete down low, and I think Essence Booker is going to have to step up big. She's It's been a couple games since she's really you know taken the game over and put the team on her back, and uh, this might be a game where she's going to have to do that and pair down low with Amani Lacey. We know how she's been playing. Stacked up, this is going to be a very hard game, but we saw how we played against Utah. We could be in for a dogfight, one that we ultimately might be able to come out on top on. Yeah, I think if we're running on all cylinders tonight, it's gonna be you know it's gonna be a really good game, a fun game to watch. Like this women's basketball team kind of always is, uh, at least for me, that's that's the case. I love watching this team, just the effort they play with, even you know when they're kind of getting you know it's not such a close game. It's just the effort they play with is something that's kind of contagious and it kind of spreads around to a lot of the younger players on the team as well. But I agree, Amani Lacey, Marguerite Effa, Dom Phillips. Yeah. That post play down low, the post defense down low is going to be something really big because that's where USC loves to go. You know, they don't shoot the ball from the perimeter that often. A lot of pick and rolls, a lot of like backdoor screens that they run down low. And that's what they're looking to do is, you know, get those high percentage shots and, you know, hopefully score a lot. So, you know, those ladies are going to have the work, the work cut out for them. It's going to be a real fun one to watch. But yeah, I agree. I think Essence Booker needs to be on our game. Amani yeah. Lacey needs to be on our game. There's going to be a lot of players that have to really step up if we want to take this one from USC. Well, they don't really shoot the ball that well, and that is something that we can do on occasion. So I think that's something that we have to kind of hone in on is are we going to be able to shoot the ball against USC? Uh, like we've been saying, Essence Booker, I think, is going to have to have a huge game. And Michaela Mayo, we've seen her kind of have some bright spots here and there. And then Alyssa Jimenez, who is a young player, but I think she's going to have a huge role as well. Kind of game by committee, I think we're going to see. We're not going to see one person kind of take over. Kind of traditional Wolfpack, uh, ladies Wolfpack basketball, just kind of everyone contribute a little bit and we can come out on top. We have to take care of the ball though. This is a team that's going to take care of the ball as well. And that's been kind of a, not a, not a slow or not a low point, but it's something that we have to work on is can we take care of the ball and his turnover is going to kill us? So uh, it's going to be a big game, though. Do you think we can come out on top? Do you think we can squeak out this win against USC tonight at 6 p.m.? Yeah, I definitely do. I think if, you know, it all just depends on that post play for me. Uh, that's the big key. I think I do think Marguerite Effa comes home and does have a big game right. at USC. I think that's going to happen. You know, usually the tendencies of players, you know, when they come back home, you know, they usually just, you know, ball out and have a great game. I think she has a good game. I think Amani plays good defense down low. And I think Alyssa Jimenez keeps up her, you know, stout defensive play right. as what we've been seeing this entire season. I'm gonna say we win this. I think that, you know, after Ooh. the after the Utah game, yeah. it might not be such a popular um prediction, but I do think we win this. I think the girls come out uh firing on the road. I think Coach Levins has them fired up and they wanna get this win for uh Marguerite Effa. So I think they come out, they win this game. It's a close one though. I'm saying 65-62 is the final. Very close one, but we squeak it out at the end. 
I also think it's going to be a very close game, but I think it's all going to depend on if we can shut down their forwards down low. If if our front court can play at a very high level and play defense at a very high level, also scoring when they need to, I think the team, if we win or not, is going to go off the play of Amani Lacey and Essence Booker. If them, them two have cl- uh, really good games, and it's going to be a close game. I see us squeaking this one out, but ultimately I think we're going to lose this one. I think it's going to be, a, like, like I said, a very close game, though. I think it's going to come down to like free throws at the very end. I think USC puts up 70, 68 points around there. But I think we get around 63, 64 points. It's a very close game like it was with the Utah game. But I could be pleasantly surprised at this game because I see us putting up a really good fight like Amanda Levin's team always does. I could see us winning, but I ultimately see us not. Yeah. not winning, you know? Yeah. Um, I think we'll go one-on-one in this woman of Troy Classic both today and tomorrow. But I think our win is going to come over UTRGV tomorrow. When do they play? They play tomorrow at... Why did I go off the schedule? I don't know. I went to stats and I just got off the (laughs) schedule. 11 a.m. tomorrow. 11 a.m. So bright and early. Wake up, have your breakfast, get your cup of coffee. And uh, I guess that's afternoon for most people, but college yeah. students nah, kind of like morning. morning. Yeah. Right. But University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, currently 5-5 five and five in the WAC conference. We have some familiarity with them. We have already played some WAC teams, such as Chicago State, Utah Valley. Remember, we beat Utah Valley by a very close, it was a very close game. Kind of got yeah. us worried a little bit. Uh, we beat them by three, and then Chicago State wasn't even a game. I think Chicago State's like we said, one of the worst teams in all of Division One yeah, women's basketball. Women's yeah. basketball. We beat them by twenty. But UTRGV, God, it's gonna be annoying saying that all the time. But <laughs> they finished or they were predicted to finish fourth in the preseason poll. I think Utah Valley was sixth and then Chicago State was dead last. Yeah, in, dead in the, last. Yeah, but um so definitely better than both those teams. So that's why I again think this is gonna be a very close game. They did play USC already though, and they lost by forty. Like 87, 43. Or... Lost by 40? Yes. I did not see that. Yeah. Uh, what was the final score? I have it up right here. So they scored 43 points. Uh-huh. U- yeah. Uh, USC scored 80. So, okay, 37. 37 points. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Definitely a blowout loss uh, from USC. But some of their key scores, Jordan Augustus, two double-doubles already this season, averaging 14 points and seven rebounds. Seven, those seven rebounds leads the team per game. A six-foot forward who is a grad transfer from VCU, traditionally obviously a strong basketball college as well. Ashley Lopez, fun fact about her, she just became eligible literally one game ago. She was she became eligible after the fall semester of, of this year due to transfer rules. She mm-hmm. transferred from Moorhead State. In her final or in her first game, excuse me, against USC, she led the team in points with 415 or 14. She took the most shots as well. So now that she's on the team, I don't know if their offense is going to go through her, but that's something to look forward to or look out for tomorrow. And then last but definitely not least on this team is Trey Lynn Tyler, who leads the team in points with 15.1 per game and steals with 17 on the season and is second in assists with 27 on the season. So this is not a bad team. Yeah, this no. is no, it's not a bad team. Five and five, uh, not a bad whack conference team. And uh, even though they did just get blown out against yeah. a very good USC team, this could be a team to give us some uh, some headaches. Do you have a game prediction? See how this game's going to go. It has to be going a little bit better than USC. Yeah, I think I think we win by 
I say 10. Like you said, this is a good team. They have people that can put up points both down low and in the guard position. And like you said, getting uh, Lopez back for them is probably going to be a big thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, interesting to see how she kind of integrates the offense. I mean, she did have a, what, a game-high 14 or a yeah, team-high 14, team 14 in that game. But against USC, but which has lost, good, a good defense. But they lost by 37. Yeah, so exactly. if that might be a key, you know, is she kind of – sputtering this offense and trying to take over too much you also said she led the team in shots i think there's too many moving pieces for this utrgv team yeah yeah. um some stuff they gotta mesh with some stuff they have to figure out i think we take this one by 10 i don't really have a score prediction i'll say we put up 75 no yeah i'll say like 75 they put up 65 i think we have big games big three-point shooting day for the ladies against utrgv but yeah, I think we went by 10, 15. I think this is a this is a good comeback, you know, comeback to right. Reno game for uh, the ladies. Right. Well, they will be playing in USC. But yeah, I, no, I, like after the game, like right. happy flight home. Right. Happy happy flight home. I agree though. I think we are gonna win, but I think it's gonna be a high scoring game. They like to shoot threes. They rank ninetieth uh, in the NCAA in three point attempted. So I think that it's gonna be a high scoring game. They like to shoot a lot, and we like to shoot a lot. We don't really play through our big so much. So uh, I think it's going to be a good game, but I think we do take the dub, like you were saying. Um, I have the score prediction. I say we win 68-58. I think our defense steps up huge in this game. We shut down their scores. We go 1-1 one and one in the Women of Troy uh, tournament at USC. The first game is tonight, like we've been saying, at 6 p.m. against USC. Tune in for that one. And then tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. against UTRGV. Great two games that we're going to see this weekend, and we'll be able to recap that not on Monday because we're taking the week off because of Christmas, but the following week we'll be able to recap everything that takes place, Wolfpack sports. And then we got men's basketball. Big game. Big game two nights ago. (sighs) Big game. Yeah, we'll get to that. (laughs) Big game tomorrow. Late game tomorrow, so you guys got to stay up for that one. Put the kids to bed and, uh, you know, settle in on the couch. We can watch this St. Mary's game. It's going to be very good. But how about that game on Wednesday? Jeez. God, that was one of the sloppiest games I think I've seen in a very long time from college basketball. Like, there was no rhythm at all. Sloppiest, had some bad officiating as well. Oh, God. (laughs) Jesus. Atrocious. (laughs) But after that win um, against Texas Southern two nights ago on Wednesday, 91 to 73, we are now eight and four on the season. Not a bad start. Eight and four oh. after 12 games is not a bad start through at all. A lot of the panic we heard through right. the first four games of the we season. We heard the sky was falling, ladies and gentlemen, but they are <laughs> back. And, um, and we heard that after the BYU game. But it looked like, you know, the lid was still on the basket yeah. when they came out of this game as well. A very, very slow start. There was a point in the first half that we were held without a field goal for 10 minutes. We were held scoreless, not even a point, for almost, what was that, five minutes. Five minutes and like 10 seconds, we were held without a point. We went to the free throw line like four times, still didn't get a uh, field goal. It was it was just atrocious. We didn't even get our first three-pointer until seven minutes and 15 seconds left in the first half. It was really, really bad. But then, turned it around, a 14-0 run that spanned both halves, the end of the first half, and then coming out very hot in the second half. Whatever they did at halftime really, really worked because they came out hot 
in the second half. They took care of business in that second half and ultimately uh, pulled away and took care of business. This is what Coach Alfred had to say about the adjustments that were made at halftime. I thought our guys were more aggressive uh, offensively. I thought our bigs were passive in the first half other than J.C. I thought J.C. had a great game, 12 and 6 in 24 minutes. I thought uh, he was really good. And I thought Robbie and Zane um, and K.J. were much better in the second half because I didn't like any of what I saw in the first half. Uh, but in the second half, I thought those three did some really good things. Um, our guards were you know, just really solid again. Jalen didn't make three, but I told him, you go 10 for 10 at the line. You know, so I thought we moved it. I thought we got good shots. Um, and I don't think it was really an adjustment as much as challenging the guys at halftime of who was going to fight more to start the half. Was it going to be Texas Southern or was it going to be us? And uh, I thought they did a good job. I think it was 9 or 11-2 run to start the half. Um, it was a 14-point difference about five minutes in just in the second half alone, and that's good work. So you heard what he had to say. It was more just, I think, shaking off rust. And that was that was the thing. He he attributed it to finals. He attributed it to um, you know, all the makeup work they had to do from the Virgin Islands trip, the Davidson trip, um, and the B you know, the loss at BYU. The Air was, Force and BYU was a big one too. Yeah, and yeah. I mean it was the loss at BYU too. It was like, you know, it was just shaking off some rust. After the halftime break, though, in the second half, we shot fifty-five percent from the field. 41% from beyond the arc. In that first half, we shot 27% from beyond the arc. Like I said, we didn't make a first three until seven minutes left in the first half. And we were 0 for 6 from three to start the game. We started off incredibly slow and then turned it back around. Do you buy the whole finals thing? Or do you think this this team was just coming out sloppy and just, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I buy the finals. No, thing. I don't think I do either. I mean, like, finals are stressful for every student, especially for student athletes when definitely. you're putting, you know, and all the team makeup tactics work. and, yeah, on the makeup work and the travel. It's definitely not easy for them, and we give them all the credit in the world because it is a very, very tough job for them. Right. Yeah, um, oh, definitely. Almost like 24 hours a day they're, uh -huh. they're grinding schoolwork and basketball, but I don't really buy the whole finals thing. I mean – you hear Jazz say he took a final right before the game. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. But That's honestly crazy, though. Yeah. Like, think about it. Game day and your mind's not on the game. It's on this freaking final you have to take. Yeah. You know what uh, I mean? Yeah. When he said that, I was, I was kind of, you know, like, dang. Yeah. You know, that's, that is impressive. But Dang, Definitely. You know, yesterday was – or, sorry, two days ago was what? Yeah. The last day of finals? Yeah. What? It was Wednesday, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. I yeah. blanked on my days. Oh, yeah, yeah, the last day of finals. Yeah. So, most of the guys probably have been done with finals for a couple days right. now focus all on basketball so I don't I'm not really buying the whole finals thing I think it could have something to do with it but it's the last we day did. finals and you're basically almost all the most of the team's done by that right and but we did start off so slow in that game I mean yeah. I don't know if it I mean we'll get to the I mean the refs let's just get to it now 51 fouls there was 61 free throw attempts between the two teams like I attribute to most of our slow start because we couldn't get any rhythm going and some of that bad shooting translated over to BYU. I mean, we had Jazz Johnson. He went one for four from beyond the arc. Granted, like, he's usually averaging around 10 to, like, 12 threes a game. He shot four. So, obviously, he wasn't feeling it uh, from beyond the arc. And I don't know if it was just we just couldn't shoot and the BYU night kind of transferred over here. But, I mean, whatever they did in the second half definitely, or whatever they said at halftime definitely stuck, and they came out in the second half really, really hot. Uh, but that free throw line, I mean... 29 for 31, 93.5% from the free throw line this game. Talk about taking points where you can get them. Yeah. I mean, if we go like 60% from the free throw line, I mean, that's it's a different game. You know what I mean? And that's we haven't been the best free throw shooting team all year. So this was great to see 
that uh, we can shoot the ball from the free throw line this high percentage. Let's talk about some key players, though, because some people came out and stepped up in this game. Lindsey Drew, 18 points, 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, and a partridge in a pear tree. He had everything. Yeah. He had everything. I mean, he filled the stat sheet. He did literally everything. He played defense. He brought a fireness and brought the leadership to this team that we definitely needed. Yeah. Um, this is what Coach Alfred had to say about Lindsey and what he brings to the team after the game. Well, I think he's our best rebounder um, just through 12 games. I, I think per minute and, and what he does on the backboard, I think Lindsey does a tremendous job rebounding the ball. Um, you know, he, he ran the show very well. He shot the ball very well. He made big, big baskets when we had to have them. Uh, so I thought he had a very, very solid game. One thing I want to say about Lindsey Drew, though, I feel like if he truly wanted to, like deep down truly wanted to, he could average 20 points a game. Like, I honestly think they could average 20 points a game, eight rebounds a game, and if he wants to, he could be unstoppable. There are some games where he doesn't put up enough shots, and I would really like to see him start shooting the ball more and just not passing it to Jalen every single time. Yeah, no, in the first half, Lindsey was basically the only scoring that oh, yeah. Nevada had. Yeah. I mean, he had, I think, 12 or 14 at the end of the first half. Right. I think he was, was 15. 15? Yeah, yeah. He was, the the he was the only you know reliable scorer that we really had in that first half. And I agree with you. I think he could easily drop 20 a game. But um, being a fifth-year senior, you know, his he knows his role is a little bit different in this on this team. You know, Jalen and Jazz are kind of the scorers. And he's kind of, you know, the facilitator that everything kind of goes through him. Yeah. So I think if he did want to, and we've seen games where I feel like he – kind of kicks it into another gear and feels like he has to drop the points when yeah. Jalen's not shooting as well. You see him on a night like Wednesday, you know, he yeah. shoots four from 11 from the field, 0 for 5 from 3. I right. mean, still has 18, which is, you know, a decent game for Jalen, another yeah. quiet 18 points. But Lindsey Drew just steps up where he needs to, and that's, you know, a big part of him being a fifth-year senior on this team. Well, I think – I just think – I totally agree. But I think he just needs to do it a little bit more. I think mm-hmm. we need him to push the envelope just a little bit more. I would have liked to see that against the BYU game. But I think that was just an anomaly. I mean, that no one could score yeah. that game. But then another person that really impressed me was John Carlos Reyes. I said it last night after yeah. the game when I came home. Two nights ago? Or two nights ago. I was like, dude, this is his best game that he's played in silver and blue. He is starting to really impress me. And, I I mean, we talked about it on air. I wasn't the biggest – I wouldn't say supporter because obviously – I but I wasn't the biggest – like, I wasn't the happiest person when I, we got the news about him coming here. I didn't know what he was really going to bring to this team, but – I think he's bringing a valuable asset of some sort of efficiency, offensive and defense down low, you know, in the front court. 12 points, six rebounds, five from seven from the field, two for two from the free throw line. I think his best game in silver and blue. I mean, we've been talking about it. Front court, definitely our weakest point. And if he and Zane can both step up, and I think Robbie's getting a lot better too. I, I know he didn't have the best offensive night, Definitely one too many passes all the time. Just not being confident in the shot. But I think that our front court's going to come around. But if it doesn't, uh, it's going to be a long season. I think if our front court does not start producing, fifth or sixth in the Mountain West. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's going to be I, a it's going to be a long season if if our front court can't produce. But uh, JC, huge game down low. Yeah, I mean, as the games go by, I'm getting more and more skeptical in the front court. I've been, you know, the one to kind of say, uh, just give it time, give it time. But at this point. I mean, JC does have a, a big night. In my mind, I don't know why Zane's not starting over Robbie yet. Yeah. I think Zane produces a lot more than well, Robbie you does. you saw it. it. was like four minutes into the game, and Zane was already yeah. off the bench into the game. So yeah. I don't know if that's a strategy from Alfred where he just wants to 
you know, let Zane see kind of the right. court and how they're playing first and then bring him in rather than starting him. But I think Zane Meeks is our best forward on this team by far. I think John Carlos, although he did have a good night, I think that Zane is another head above John Carlos as a forward. Obviously, we do need John Carlos in there for the size. Yeah, definitely. But in terms of, you know, production and rebounding and a lot of other things, I think Zane is the best forward we have on this team. And for that Props to Zane Meeks for being a freshman and being the, fe- yeah. in my opinion, the best forward on this team. Yeah. Um, but it's also kind of not so good on John Carlos and Robbie, a couple of older guys that really should be leading this team in the front court. So they're gonna have to do something real quick for me to kind of turn my head and you know start supporting you know our front court and being happy with what I see from them because right now I'm just really not. But I mean our guards are really stepping up like yep. they have been. Jazz was for the most nights, smothered on defense. Yes. A couple offensive possessions I was you know, watching. You know who was on him pretty much the entire night was John Jones. Yeah. And they were talking, so I was like, that was such a smart move by Chambers and company over there and uh, having having John Jones cover Jazz because he knew what he was going to do the entire time. There was multiple times where I was sitting at the press table and Chambers, as soon as we walked the ball half court, called a play, he would stand up and yell what was going on, what we were about to run. It was it was truly something else. Like yeah. they did their homework and they put the right people on the right and they they made it hard in the first half to score for sure. And we saw that I mean Jazz didn't really couldn't score throughout the entire game almost. And uh but like you said, I think I think our backcourt's been obviously stepping up when when needed, but I think our front court's going to be a work in progress. Robbie Robinson's only a redshirt sophomore, so I mean, he has definitely a lot of time to grow, but for a fan base and for, I mean, even for us talking heads, we want wins right now. You know what I mean? So it's it's hard to look in the future and say, Zane's a freshman, KJ's a freshman, uh, Robbie's a sophomore, just let our front court build, but... It's really hard, especially because we want wins now, so it's hard to see the big picture. But ultimately, a, a decent game. I mean, we pulled away when we needed to pull away. I thought that, you know, in the first half, I was like, first team to 40 might win this game yeah. because it was so atrocious the way everyone was scoring. But ultimately, great game. And um, was there anyone else that kind of stuck out to you? I mean, Zane, 18 minutes, 11 points, what, he, four rebounds, yeah, um, 50% from beyond the arc. He's just being efficient right now. It's, right. And I think that's what this team needs off the bench. You know, you have Nizre being a guy that, you know, contributes a lot. He has five rebounds, three assists. No, he had a great game. Uh, and just seven silent. points. But, yeah, silent, silent but a really good game. And I, I think agree. him off the bench is huge. But Zane Meeks, yeah, just another quiet kind of efficient game from him. KJ, not bad either. You know, another eight points. He went six from seven from the free throw line. Yes. So I'd love to see that from KJ, you well, know, especially yeah. early in the season. He was really struggling at the line. But yeah, I think really just Zane and KJ for the most part for me kind of you know stood out and impressed me. Zane just being that efficient scorer off the bench and KJ stepping up, hitting his free throws when he needs to, and um, providing you know a little spark and rest for uh, two of the starters too. What I found really interesting is Nizre was minus four in the plus minus column after half. After the game, he finished with six positive six, plus six, wow, which is pretty impressive to turn that around in one half. Incredibly impressive from Nizri. I think, like we've been saying over and over again, really coming into his own. This Texas Southern team, what what was one key that we brought up that would probably win us this game? Turnovers. Yes. And they only turned the ball over eight times on Wednesday. That was something that I was very, very impressed with, with John, uh, Johnny Jones, Brandon Chambers, what they do over there. Yeah. Um, they averaged 18 turnovers a game coming into this game. Eight turnovers in this game. So... I mean, while that's bad on us, I mean, props to Texas Southern for cleaning that up. But that was something that we would have uh, liked to take control of a little bit more. 14 turnovers on our end, but um, our assist totals were way up. I mean, 19 assists yeah. in this game. Jalen with five, 
Lindsay with four. Like you said, Nizre. Oh, he only had three, but I mean, a decent, really decent game. And then five rebounds, like you said. Impressive overall. We took care of business when we needed to, kind of pulled away in that second half. And then we look to tomorrow. Yep. Huge game against St. Mary's. Our last non-conference game, 9.30 tip in the 1.4 billion Chase Center. I'm thinking it's not going to be quite filled to capacity, but uh, there might be a decent decent following, especially that St. Mary's. I think yeah. a lot of uh, people are going to travel. I mean, if you're a St. Mary's fan, it's pretty much right there. I mean, not right there, but close. A weekend in the city. Right. You're, you're, you're know, going to the Chase out. Center. Yeah. You want to see your team. I mean, that's pretty impressive. So I think they're going to have a pretty good fan base. Toughest non-conference game on the schedule. I agree with that statement. You saw what they did against Utah State. You saw what they did against ASU two nights ago. Demolished them. 40. That was a, not a game. No. Um, Jordan Ford put up 34 points. Shout out to Sacramento. Yes, uh, sir. I know you went to middle school with him, played yeah. basketball with him. But Jordan Ford, I mean, putting on for Sacramento, just doing great things at St. Mary's and leading that team. Toughest non-conference game on the schedule and right before we play Colorado State, they were picked to finish second in the West Coast Conference, 11-2 and right now, coming off that demolishing victory over ASU. Other notable wins, Wisconsin, Utah State, a very good Dayton team. Very good. Yes. And then uh, Cal, who's not doing so well. They got Mark Fox over there now, old Wolfpack. Al- I, was, I was about to say alum. I mean, Wolfpack, yeah. like, coach alum, I guess. Yeah, you, could, you could say Previous alum. coach. Yeah. Some key players, like we said, Jordan Ford, Sacramento product, averages 21.5 points a game. Leader on the court, facilitator, point guard, just pretty much does everything for that team. Mm-hmm. Their three-point threat is double zero. Love the number. Uh, you know, it's always That's a GOAT number, double <laughs> yes. zero. Tanner Kerbs shoots over 50% from beyond the arc. So when he wants to, he can definitely come up and score. But St. Mary's. Probably the toughest team we'll see all season, including Mountain West play. This team has been some really good teams, like we've been saying, Wisconsin, Utah State, Dayton, Cal, that slaughtering uh, over ASU as well. This team is very good. They have very good players. One player to look out for in particular, Malik Fitz. Malik Fitz, leading rebounder with 7.7 per game. Not bad on the scoring end of things as well. He averages uh, 15 points a game. So this team has a lot of weapons that could hurt us, basically. Uh, they're really good with the ball as well. 87th in turnover margin in the NCAA with a plus two. Uh, so they know how to take care of the ball, and they know how to force turnovers as well. How do you think this game is going to go? Do you think we can squeak out a win? Obviously, you know what happened when we played BYU, and that's – not as good as uh, or St. Mary's a little bit better than BYU in the West Coast Conference. Do you think we can squeak this one out? Um, I think that if we can score the ball efficiently, I think our defense can do just enough to maybe slow them down. All in all, I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think we're going to get blown out like we did against BYU. But if things do break our way, this could go. This game could go our way uh, on Saturday or tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little more skeptical. I think. I mean, St. Mary's does something on offense that's very special. Jordan Ford, uh, their facilitator, the guy they run through, loves running off the high pick, that pick at the top of the arc, um, and then he can just go to work at that point. He has a floater in his arsenal. He can also pull it from three. Uh, and like you were saying, Malik Fitz is just the dude who grabs all the boards and sets those picks for Jordan. Um, they're kind of big three Jordan 
Malik Fitz and then Tanner Kerbs, that three-point specialist. Yep. You see kind of they have the majority of the points for St. Mary's. After that, it's kind of like a five, six-point, seven-point drop-off. So if we can contain kind of those three and make them uncomfortable on defense, I could see us winning this game as well as having a great offensive night. But in my opinion, St. Mary's is just too powerful. They've been running the system for the whole year. Jordan Ford's been a guy that's been in their program for all four years and knows their system and They've all played together for, you know, not a lot of transfers on this team. So they've all played together for years and years. So they really know how each other operates. It's going to be a tough one. Um, I don't see us winning this game. I think that St. Mary's offense is just too good. I think they can put up, you know, points on points. I mean, they average like 77 a game. Yeah. But I think we can kind of keep it close. I think we lose by about 10, maybe 15 if it goes bad. But, yeah, I just – in a neutral site where it's going to feel more like a St. Mary's crowd. I just I can't see us pulling away this one. Well, and it's I just don't know who's going to match up with who because that's that's the hard part is having our scores have to score at a high level and then come back on defense and lock down Jordan Ford, lock down Malik Fitz. I just don't know who in our front court's going to be able to match up with Malik Fitz and Mathis Tass who is from Estonia, which is pretty cool. He's kind of their big man besides Malik Fitz. He is uh, 6'10", 240, so a very big body down there, and I just don't know who's going to be able to match up with him as well, maybe JC. But this team, like you've been saying, is is very good and can score at a high rate. Ultimately, I'm with you. I don't see us winning this game. I think we lose by 5-9 to nine around there. But I do think it's going to be a close game. But you never know. When our offense is clicking, we can put up a lot of points yeah, at a exactly. very high rate. So if Jazz can can nail his shot down and Jay Lynn can nail his shot down, this could be a very, very successful day for the pack. Ultimately, what does this win do? I know the at-large is kind of out of the question. Yeah, the BYU point. loss was hard, and then obviously the Davidson loss was pretty hard. I forget there was one more in the very beginning of the season. SC but, loss? Yeah, yeah, the USC loss, and then the Utah loss. Those, those hurt us, definitely, especially because we're looking at we were trying to get an at-large, whatever. But what does this game, this win mean? If we did win uh, tomorrow, what does this mean for the pack? I mean, gives a great boost going into conference play, but, I mean, doesn't really do much on the uh, at-large side of things. Yeah, I think when we look at, you know, late February, early March, when we're talking about NCAA at-large bids, I think for it'd be a miracle to pull off uh, an at-large bid for yeah. us right now. But a win at St. Mary's is huge for the team. I mean... It's a big confidence booster saying, you know, hey, we can beat a really good basketball team that was, you know, preseason top 20. They've fallen out of the rankings these past couple weeks. But, I mean, they played a, they beat, you know, probably one of the best teams in the Mountain West, Utah State, and um, took really took care of business at home against them. So I think for us, if we can come out and beat St. Mary's, it's a huge confidence boost. It gives, you know, our guys something that I feel like it's been lacking a little bit in these last couple games is just confidence. Whether that's you know shooting the ball, we've seen that kind of with Robbie, what you talked about a little bit earlier, um, and just you know the team morale and confidence going into Mountain West play, we can look back on that and say we beat St. Mary's, who beat probably one of the best Mountain West teams in Utah State. Why can't we beat every single team we have uh, on the schedule for the rest of the season? So I think just basically it's just confidence boost at this point. I think we have too many kind of bad losses to kind of make an at large, but you know anything can happen. NCAA has been you know kind of crazy this year with basketball. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's ultimately is like this loss, too, if we do lose tomorrow, isn't the worst thing in the entire world either. Because ultimately, Alfred and company knows that we're playing for the Mountain West tournament. We're playing for a seed to get 
to you know that top five, get that first round by, and hopefully make a run at the Mountain West Tournament Championship to get into the NCAA tournament. At large is kind of gone at this point, so I do I agree with you. I think a win is mainly confidence boosting to go into this first Mountain West game January 1st against Colorado State. Uh, this is our last non-conference game, a brutal way to end non-conference. Yeah. But I think ultimately if things do break our way, it could be a great way to end non-conference. And then you're looking at this Mountain West conference schedule. We have Colorado State January 1st, and then we have Boise, and then we have San Jose State. So three um, – I mean, besides Boise, it's it's a nice way to kind of ease into the Mountain West. And then our fourth game, you got that Utah State battle at Utah State January 11th. So, I mean, ultimately, a, not a bad way to end your non-conference against a very, very good St. Mary's team. All in all, though, I'm very excited to watch this game. Yes. 9.30 tomorrow night is the Basketball Hall of Fame 2019 Air Force Reserve Al Adels Classic. There you go. Wow. First try. That is a mouth. First try. That's a mouthful. At the, like we said, $1.4 billion Chase Center in San Francisco, California. Their crowd is going to be going with them. I don't know how many Pac fans are going to travel, but hopefully there are at least some to make it seem like somewhat of a neutral site game. Do you have a score prediction or do you think uh, it's just going to be a close loss in this one? I'll throw out a score prediction. I think, I think 76. 677 like right on pace with St. Mary's average is kind of what they'll score. It's really just hard to stop this team from scoring at a high clip. I mean, they're just super powerful on offense. So, I'm going to go let's go 76 St. Mary's and then we score say like 68. 76 so, to 68. Like a 9-point loss right. for us. I'm going to go with somewhere around there. I think our shooting does heat up, but it's just probably not going to be enough with St. Mary's offense. Right, and I agree. I think it's going to be a close loss. I I have a shooting or I have a scoring around uh, the 70 mark. I think our offense is going to be on. I think after what happened in BYU and then the first half of uh, this last game against Texas, Texas Southern. Southern, I think that second half kind of woke us up a little bit, and I think our offense is going to be right there. But, I mean, I do have us losing. I think it's going to be around like 79-ish to 70, 78 to 70. But the fans listening, I mean, St. Mary's is probably, I mean, they should be in the top 25. Yeah. Like, this is a top 25 team. It's a March Madness team that is very, this very This might be the good. best team we play all season. Right, yeah, like, no matter, I think, I agree. I think this yeah. is, them and San Diego State are probably the best teams that we will play all season. So this is, this is no bad loss by any means. But we will see what happens tomorrow night, 9.30. Make sure you tune in. I think it's ESPNU. U, yes. ESPNU, tune in, uh, 9.30 tip. Stay up late, put the kids to bed, and watch the pack. Hopefully, maybe take care of business, but a uh, good game either way. And then stay tuned for uh, Pack Player of the Week coming on Sunday. In two days, we'll be able to uh, break that on Twitter as well. From news for next week, we will both be out of town. There will be no Pack Center at all next week, and we'll be able to pick it up the week after Christmas. So have a good holiday break. And uh, like always, thank you for giving us your time and let's go pack.